This morning we are coming to our final study on prayer. And most of you are aware that over these last five or six Sundays together, we have been looking at fresh prayers for a new year. And we've been looking at some of the Psalms from the Old Testament and some of the great prayers of the Apostle Paul. And today we are finishing our study on Psalm 23. A couple of weeks ago we looked at the first couple of verses and today we're focusing on verses 4 through 6 and you'll find it on page 862 of the Pew Bible. Page 862, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, as most of you know, was written by David who at one point in his life was a shepherd boy. He went on to become Israel's greatest king. And I imagine him as an older man looking back and reflecting on all that God has done in his life. And so we're beginning at verse 4 for Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Over these last few weeks, as you know, we have been seeking to learn a great deal more about prayer And during this time, we have reminded ourselves that prayer is not about saying set words on a set day at a set time. But prayer is predicated on a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. And we have also learned some very practical lessons about prayer. And last week we looked at what do you do on the days when you simply can't be bothered praying. You can't motivate yourself. You just can't get your head around trying to pray. And that's where we were last Sunday. And over the weeks we have said several things about prayer. And on our first Sunday together we said genuine prayer is an encounter with the ineffable, outrageous, spectacular character and nature of God himself. It's an intimate conversation of reciprocal love defined by a deep dependency on his provision and providence wrapped up in adoration and thanksgiving of who he is. And so we've been reinforcing that thought over recent weeks, reminding ourselves that prayer is engagement with God himself. And then we've gone on to say this, that prayer is never the solitary exploration of your own subjective thinking. It's never about talking to yourself or looking into a mirror, but rather it's engaging with God. It's climbing up into his lap. It's resting in his presence. Hence, it involves all. Profound intimacy, struggle, and reality. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 10 and Psalm 13, very much in passing, but there the psalmist says, Why, O God, do you seem to stand at a distance on the days I need you the most? 
Where are you when things are not going well and I pray and pray and you don't answer? What am I supposed to do then? And so having touched on these themes, we have also said this about prayer. That we are tempted to think that prayer is about getting God to see things from my perspective. Prayer is getting God to understand if he would only see it the way you see it, surely he would answer. And we tend to think of prayer as getting. And we have sought to look at scripture that teaches us that prayer may be more about being and becoming rather than getting. In the process of prayer, he uses our prayers to create within us a desire for being more Christ-like, for being men and women of character, for being men and women of honesty and transparency, people of our word, of being people we can be relied on, of being the kind of person that family and friends can go to for help, for being Christ-like, and also becoming, becoming more engaged with him, becoming the person he's longing for us to be. Becoming the person that he has laid his hand upon and is shaping and refining and fashioning and calling to move to a deeper level in our relationship with him. So whenever we're tempted to think of prayer as getting, please remember that it's every bit as much about being and becoming. And that's where we were a couple of weeks ago in these early verses of Psalm 23. And we've also said this, that we live in a day and age that is incredibly busy, that daily activities often distract us. We have access to the internet and a digital playground and at times smartphones. And our phones always promise another update to see, another image to like, websites to visit, games to play, text to read, streams to watch forecast to monitor, podcast to download, headlines to scan, articles to skim, scores to check, prices to be compared. And we often find it hard to carve out quiet, solitary time in the presence of God. Because we end up being so busy that quiet time, we're tempted to think it's a waste of time. But we know, in fact, it's the opposite. It's those moments when God is calling us to be and become rather than doing all the time. And so with all of that, by way of introduction, we come to this latter half of Psalm 23 this morning. And David writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that's where we finished a couple of weeks ago. And we come to the latter part of chapter 4. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now when David writes more than 2,000 years ago, what is he talking about, a rod and a staff? And why should a rod and a staff bring comfort to anyone? And a rod, you have to understand, is probably about two feet in length. 
usually a young shepherd would go into a wooded area. He'd find a small branch of a tree or a sapling. He would tear it off or uproot it. And then he would take a knife and start to shape it. And at one side it had a bulbous head round, almost like a light bulb. And it would go on for about two feet. And it would sit through the belt on his garment. And the staff, of course, was much longer, probably about five feet, ten, six feet, with a hook on one side. And the rod would be used when he's letting the sheep out of the sheep pen. And he'd put it across the gate, and he'd count them one at a time, one and two and three. And that way he would know exactly how many sheep he had. And every now and again, if he sees a sheep there with a blemish on it, he would stop it. And he would hold its head and neck, and he would begin to use the rod almost like a comb to inspect the sheep. Why is there a blemish there or a wound there? Eventually he'd put it back into his belt and then he'd kneel down beside the sheep and run his hands over it checking bone structure. And was there any damage to the sheep? And was there a real wound there? And if so, what would he do to heal that wound? And that's what he would use his rod for. And occasionally when sheep would wander off and they'd be moving towards a poisonous plant or grass that would not be good for them, and if he was five or ten feet away and couldn't get to it before it was about to eat, he'd withdraw that rod and throw it at the sheep, catch it on the hindquarters, and it would pull away, and run back towards the others. And it would be a warning, don't go there. Don't eat that stuff. And it's a very practical reminder that sometimes as Christian folks, When we are not paying attention, we wander off on our own. Because the grass always seems greener somewhere else. And here is God gently reminding us that poisonous weeds and plants will not nourish the soul. They will not sustain you. If anything, they will cause you damage. And he's saying, come back. And the presence of the shepherd's rod was a comfort because it reminded the sheep of the shepherd himself. And likewise, with his long staff, when a lamb was born and had become separated five or six feet from its mother, and the mother was busy chewing grass, rather than go down and lift the lamb, and bring it close to the sheep and lie it next to its mum, the shepherd's scent would then be on the lamb and the ewe would then reject it. Rather, he would use the hook on his staff to gently lift it up, lift it a few feet, put it back down beside mum without contaminating it. And you see the gentle, loving nature of a shepherd is portrayed right there. At other times, the sheep, of course, would wander off, wander after another mouthful of grass and find itself going over the edge of a cliff and then making its way down the cliffside and then can't get back up. And, of course, what would the shepherd do? Would then bring the staff with the hook, lean over, pick it up, crying, of course, because it can't get back up, put it again beside mum 
And there you see the gentle love and care of the shepherd. And whenever there was a staff or a rod close by, it would bring comfort to the sheep. That's the picture that David is painting for us. And he continues to teach us lessons from sheep. He goes on and says, Likewise, when you enter into periods of genuine prayer, when you climb up into the lap of God and you rest right there, those are the moments when the Spirit of God runs His hands over your life And he looks at your motivations and your desires and your activities and your longings and your wants. And he examines every part of your life. And he looks at old wounds, sometimes wounds that have been self-inflicted, sometimes wounds that others have done to you. And he begins with loving, gracious care to bring about healing and health. And sometimes when God takes us to that whole new level, that can be a painful experience. Because not only will he examine the wound, he will speak to us and say, what on earth were you thinking? Why did you do that? Why did you go there? Why didn't you come to me earlier? And now look what's happened. And sometimes sheep find it when they wander off looking once again for that extra mouthful of grass and they wander into wild roses or a wild bush and they find their wool is entangled and they can't get out and they start bleating again, crying and crying. And it's only when the shepherd gets there and he pushes himself in behind the sheep so he gets behind himself in the wild bush and then slowly begins to untangle and as he's doing so he's saying what on earth were you thinking really all of this grass and you had to go over here you got caught up you're familiar with the phrase and you're stinking thinking That began to dominate your mind and tell you who you once used to be and why it's good to go back there What were you thinking? What were you doing? Don't you remember how much I love you and care for you? And we then eventually rescue the sheep and bring it back. And bring healing and wholeness and transformation. Not just to the sheep, but to us as well. And that's the picture he's painting right here. At other times when the shepherd was moving sheep from one area to another, of course he would stretch out his staff in one hand, his rod in another, to gather them up and herd them through the great gate into new pastures. And whenever they would see the rod and the staff, the sheep knew they were heading in the right direction. They knew that he was walking with them. They knew that his presence would guide them into fresh, nourishing pasture. And over the next couple of weeks, as we move from winter into spring and early and middle March, I imagine David thinking of those days when he says, not only does your rod and staff comfort me, but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
And the picture in David's mind is this, that spring has come. He's taking his sheep up into the hill country. The snow has melted. The streams and rivers are fresh. There is new grass there now that the snow is no longer there. And the shepherd sometimes goes ahead of the sheep to make sure there are no predators there. There are no cougars, no mountain lions, wolves. And if there are, he hunts them down, sets a trap. He makes sure there is no poisonous weeds and plants by the side of the trail. He builds a small dam that he built the previous year and he reinforces it and he clears off of the water twigs, debris, weeds, so that as they move forward, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Things that threaten, things that would encroach or hinder their growth and development. And then let me ask you to use your imagination. I think most of us understand what it means when someone invites them as to their home for a meal or someone has prepared an evening meal for us. And we know that in the days beforehand, our host, our hostess, whoever's preparing the meal, has been mentally preparing. What will I make? What shall I cook? How many will it be for? And that person wants you to have good nourishing food, good company to enjoy. And let me ask you to go a step further. And let me ask you to imagine this, that this week you receive an invitation to a meal from God himself. Think of that. What would you say? How would you respond? You're sitting down at a table and there he is saying, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thanks for coming. And how would that conversation go? That's what prayer is. It's filled with awe. An overwhelming sense of how could he possibly love me this much that he would invite me to come and sit at his table with him. He would speak into my life and restore me and equip me and renew me. And he would say to me, forget the past. Focus on who you are becoming rather than who you've been. Ever been there? That's why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, in the presence of my own sin, in the presence of the things that would hurt me, in the presence of my poor thinking. And he raises me up and gives me a new life and a future to look forward to. That's what's going on here. And then he adds, you anoint my head with oil. And what does that mean? It means this, that sometimes up in that high country where the sheep are moving and grazing day by day, as the days get warmer and longer, insects and flies will come and buzz around the sheep. And they will settle in their ears 
and in their mouth and in their navel cavities and sadly insects and parasites will lay eggs there and they come and hatch and sadly there's an infestation in the head of the sheep and the sheep then starts to knock its head against the rock or roll in the grass trying to get rid of the aggravation and the buzzing inside and of course sheep looking for comfort go to another sheep and rub heads and pass on the infection and it's all buzzing around and there is no comfort and no peace and they are diseased and what does the shepherd do? He makes up a formula of linseed oil and tar and sulfur. And then he takes each of the sheep and he straddles across its back, holds its head up, and he anoints the inside of the nasal cavities and in the ear and around the eyes and over the head to get rid of the infestation. And likewise, when we pray, we're looking for the presence of God to wrap us in His arms. He has given to us the indwelling, enabling power of His Holy Spirit. He anoints us with His Spirit to take away the disease and unease and allow us to rest in Him. And whenever sheep are anointed in this manner, they almost instantly, within about 20 minutes, settle down and rest. And the touch of the shepherd has made all the difference in the heart, the mind, the soul. Every part of them begins to rest in him. That's the picture that's painted. That's why prayer is so important. That's why it's never about looking at our own thoughts, our own hopes, our own dreams, but rather entering His presence and then allowing Him to minister to us and grant to us eventually. He answers our prayers and brings to fruition those hopes and dreams. As He works in and through us, He anoints my head with oil. And then He adds, surely goodness, And mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As those long days of summer come to an end, there's another difficulty for the sheep herd, and it's the males. The males begin to feel growth and a bit of strength as they have been eating and nourishing over the summer, and now they want power over the herd. And so the males begin to fight. The horns on the rams begin to change. Hormones are running. They are discovering their own strength and they smash against each other for days and weeks at a time in order to find dominance over each other. And who will run this herd? Ever found yourself That for several days, maybe even a week or more, you have neglected your prayer time. You've wandered from him. There's still some of those irritating flies remaining in your ear. And it's beginning to bug you. 
and things your family and friends do, people at work upset you, and you're wondering why you're always on edge, always looking for a fight, always wanting to go after someone, or put someone down, or be ever so critical, and you start butting heads with everyone around you, and anyone who's in your way, and you find yourself strutting with self and pride. And what does the shepherd do? He takes handfuls of grease, And once again, he anoints the head and the horns of the rams so that when they do collide, they in fact skite off each other and nothing happens. And they stand there frustrated and wondering, what on earth happened? I went after him with all my power and I simply slid off him. What is going on? And what is going on, of course, is the presence of the shepherd calming things down. He's been proactive and eventually the rams settle down and start to behave because he's right there with them. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me because of his presence. And so this morning as we wrap up everything we've been saying over the last few weeks in prayer, let me remind you for the last time what prayer is. And you will be fed up hearing me say it. It's about climbing up into the lap of God. Putting down the things that are bothering you. Putting down the need to fix everyone and everything. And resting in Him. And allowing His love to wash over you. And coming again to live in the verses of this passage resting in the fact the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He may not have given me everything I need, but He's given me enough to grow and develop and mature in my faith. He loves me with an everlasting love. He unclutters my soul. He reminds me what is a priority for me. And finally, He retunes our deepest affections and longings so we want more of Him and less of self. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And prayer refines us It enables us, it equips us, and it encourages us to live for Him day by day. And this morning as we wrap up this service together, we can absolutely put our hand on our hearts and say, The Lord is my shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm. Thank you for all that it teaches us. Help us, please, in the midst of the days when we are frightened and agitated and forget your love. The days when we wander from you and do not pay attention to you. The days when we quite simply can't be bothered living out our faith, can't be bothered praying. Father, save us from such days. Wrap us in your arms of love and care and enable us to sense your touch upon our life. Father, bless us, please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.